Welcome to Move Like This, brought to you by the Accounting Move Project and sponsored by Moss Adams and Sapro. On this podcast, we share ideas and hear from guests about how they find, retain, develop, and advance women and other underrepresented groups in their accounting firms. Now, on to our guest. Thank you so much for being here today on another episode of Move Like This. Today, I am excited to be talking to Dave Robertson. He is the president of Rose Ryan. And thank you so much for being here, Dave. Oh, Bonnie, I'm excited to be here and have this conversation. I love the work of your organization. And, you know, we just like being affiliated with you and um, look forward to the chance to talk. It's going to be a, a fun conversation, I think. Thank you so much. Well, before we dive too deep into all the things that make Rose Ryan a great firm, I kind of want to hear from you what you think makes it unique. Yeah, so Rose Ryan, I've, I've been there um, just about five years now, and the, we just celebrated our 30th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually had the party two weeks ago at the Computer History Museum, which we thought was a very fitting place for the party. And there's several things that make us unique, but it really comes down to one simple thing is the people. And, you know, the process is part of it. The clients are part of it. There's a lot of parts of it, but I think the fundamental foundation of our differentiation is the people, starting with our founder, Kathy Ryan. She's been there the whole 30 years, and she has really tried to build an organization that's based on respect of the individual at, you know, kind of the employee level, the client level, you know, at all levels and respect for their needs and respect for their skills and aspirations. And I think that respect of each individual is really what's differentiated us over a long period of time. You know, we have folks that have worked for us as consultants for as long as 20 years. That's very unusual in this industry is to have someone work with us. And then we have folks that work with us as little as five or 10 hours a week to as many hours as they want. Some people work more than 40, their choice. And so I think that, again, to me, that's about respect, respecting the person's needs, capabilities, and how that fits with us and the clients. Uh, It doesn't always work perfectly and we have to adjust as we go. But, you know, there's other differentiators, but I think that's really the fundamental one that has made us different. I've worked a number of places in my career. This is the best place I've worked from a culture point of view, from, you know, when I came to my first meeting, I walked out of the meeting thinking, what in the world is this place? People actually tell the truth and they can have a disagreement and still be friends at the end. And I was used to politics and protecting yourself and your turf. And, you know, you have to build these little barriers around and, you know, everyone for themselves. And I found out, no, that's not how Rose Ryan works. I'm like, wow, this is fun. This is good. I'm going to enjoy this. And I still do five years later. That's fantastic. And I love that focus on respect. I think that's that should be at the core of all of our decisions. Mm -hmm. And um, I love that. So we are big proponents of giving managers and directors leadership opportunities so they can hone their skills and understand what is involved before a decision on partnership is made. It's not the right path for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I understand that in 2023, you made the decision to have managers 
assume leadership and project management responsibility for the firm's strategic initiatives, not just sitting around in a partner group making these decisions, but having managers actually contribute to them and make some of them. So tell me about this decision and how it impacted these managers specifically and the firm as a whole. Every year I try to set, you know, here's the five things we want. Usually it's five. I think you can't do more, much more than that. Five things to move the company forward process-wise, capability-wise. You know, it depends. Every year is a little bit different of what goes in that list. And in 2022, for one of the very few times in my career, we actually did all five and got them all to 100%. And that means I maybe should have set the goals a little bit harder, but that's okay. But it got done right at the end, right? Everybody, you know, because it was a leadership team driving these initiatives. So every leader had an initiative, or most of them did, that they were driving on top of trying to run the business, right? So this year, um, and the, the way I put these initiatives together is it's a brainstorming session. Everyone has a voice. Everyone has a vote. And then at the end, I listen to the votes. I look at what we said, and then I come back and say, all right, this is look looks look right. You guys agree. And they do or not. And then we make that decision and move forward. So this year I did it with 20 people in the room, which was you know the extended group. So the leadership was there, but the next layer of folks was also there. And so we got some great ideas. We, we picked five again. And then rather than having the leaders do it, I said, you know what, let's create an opportunity for growth and learning. Let's have that next layer down lead these projects. And so that happened back in April. And there's two leaders on each one because I want them to learn how to work together and none of, sorry, two managers, if you will, if you want to use that term. Uh, most of them are either sales managers or manager of something for us, mm -hmm. right? I tried to put two people together that, were in different disciplines. In other words, if it's a sales when I might have a salesperson and an HR person or a finance person and a marketing person, I'm a deep believer in, I call it DNA diversity, right? Mm -hmm. Which is th there's the physical DNA part of it. That's not as important to me as the experiential DNA part of it, which is what have you learned? What have you seen? What roles have you played? And so you have a mindset that goes with your experience. And so putting two different mindsets together, I think is more powerful than saying, all right, this is sales. I'll put two salespeople on it. Go for it. And then I gave them four or five weeks. So I told, okay, you two are doing this. You two are doing that. And I gave them four or five weeks to come back to me with, all right, here's the initiative. How are you going to go make that happen? And I gave them a template and said, you know, have at it. Here's some, I'll have a project manager available if you want help on how to set it up. She'll help you do that. And so then I met with them all. And I'm like, whoa, this is great. It was a better start than we had last year with the leadership team. So then I let them run. And this is the timing of this call is great. So two, three weeks ago, I guess it was just two weeks ago, I met with all of them again, the same 20 people. We only do this twice a year. And they each reported on how their initiative was doing. And I walked out of that room. I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Some of them are done. 
And last year, we didn't get down to the very last, <laughs> you know, end. So they're farther along than they were a year ago. So that's one kind of huge plus for me. But the other plus for me, unexpected, is they've gone beyond what I asked them for. So I said, go do this. And they've done that plus. Almost every one of them has gone. And it's still within the theme, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, well, I think we could do this or that or you know, a little bit extra. The other thing that's so powerful for me is I hate hub and spoke as a leadership style where everything has to come to the leader and then back down. And so the, the wheel won't go across the folks, one spoke to the next. It all has to come into the middle. Very inefficient. And nobody learns that way. So these folks, they were figuring it all out without me. I'm like, woohoo, that's great, right? Because they were talking to each other. And it just, it was just so refreshing for me to see. And they're all energized by this because they are leading something that's going to change the way we run the business. All of these initiatives mean we're going to change something in the way we run the business. And some of them have already started making the change and we're not even done yet. Right. So they're like, I'm going to go do this now. And that, you know, some of the things I found out, Oh, you've already been doing that for two months. I didn't even know, you know, so it, it's it just, when we do it next year, I'm going to do it the same way. I'm going to change it up a little bit and maybe get some different people involved, but the leadership, you guys are out. I, I'm going to have the next layer down. They do better work than you do on this stuff, but they've been exposed to leading, running, presenting, explaining something that's company-wide, as opposed to historically, they've said, here's my little thing. I might have a chance to present every once in a while, but um, they're changing what we do. That goes back to respect in, in a lot of ways, Bonnie, in my mind. I respect their ability. I respect that they will get it done. And I have not had to hound them to get it done. They're, they're doing it because they want to and they're excited about it. Last year, I did a lot of hounding. This year, I've done none at all. It just has happened. I think you found your leadership team. <laughs> oh, yeah. They can have a voice. They can have a part in what we do all 20 versus the five, right? Yeah. And that is powerful to me because our, our bandwidth is greatly increased, but more importantly, our DNA pool is greatly increased. Mm -hmm. And again, this is this experiential DNA pool I'm talking about. And that to me is where the power comes. Yeah, that's outstanding. And, and I think a lot of firms are uncomfortable giving that sort of I don't know if it's responsibility or power in some cases mm -hmm. to people that aren't officially leaders when in reality, okay. we're, we're all leaders in some way or another, mm -hmm. and you're giving them the tools and experience to know what it's going to be like when they do move up to the next level. And they're going to come in that door knowing so much more and feeling more empowered Mm -hmm. I, to make changes or make suggestions. Um, I, I, I love this. And just a little uh, news news flash. we're actually including this in the move report as just an example of a firm doing really good things. So Thank I'm you. excited about it. Yeah. And I think the other thing for me ha has been, you said it well, but, you know, kind of getting them ready for that next level, but I call it experiential learning. And, and it, I think what I'm trying to find is experiences 
and we may talk about this more later because it's one of my key development techniques is finding experiences for people that are outside the box for them and with control, right? So work with me on something or work with somebody else, but work with, but get exposed to something you've never been exposed to. So I'm going to be writing a business plan for for um, someone in the, in the next few weeks. I'm bringing people in that have never written a business plan before because I want them to learn how to do it. And then they'll have some contribution to it, but um, it'll give them a chance to participate. I will ask them to do some work if they don't get to just be a passive participant, right? But that's an experience that, where do you get that, right? And one of, one of the folks that's going to be doing is a marketing person for me. Another one is an accountant for me. They would never have exposure to that because that's not part of their role. Having done it once, if they come across it again, oh yeah, I've done that. Yeah, I know something about that. And so that's what I mean by experiential learning, just finding those chances to give somebody an experience without putting the firm's reputation on the line, if you will, right? So sure. they're not going to control the deliverable of that business plan. I will, but they're going to learn and contribute and add value to it, I think, because again, they'll see it in such a different way than I do. I've seen hundreds. I already know what I want. Well, maybe I'm going to miss some because I already know what I want. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, that's why where I think the value comes, you know, giving them the leading these initiatives is another experience to learn. Right. Just like you said. I think that's just such a great opportunity for anybody in the firm to it's kind of like like you said, kind of outside of the box or stepping outside of your comfort zone. Exactly. And what it does, though, is well, it does a lot of things, but. In my mind, it also gives perspective on what you do every day. Yeah, you, that's I hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it it yeah. kind of answers the why in some cases. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think another thing it does is it it helps people understand other things, right? So if you've never seen a business plan, you don't even know how to have a conversation about it, right? So it increases the vocabulary, maybe is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. um, of experience, the language that goes with some of those things. I think, again, some of these things I just take for granted because I've been doing them for so long and I forget I had to do it the first time once, right? And that time I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but, you know, so, somebody helped me, right? Somebody mm -hmm. was there with me to help me do it. And, you know, sometimes I had to learn on my own, but how much better to have someone with you to help you learn than trying to figure it out all on your own. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to another topic, Rose Ryan is one of the rare firms that has a hundred percent remote workforce. What made you decide to go this route and how has it been embraced by your team members? And finally, how have you managed to reinforce your culture and create a sense of camaraderie among employees, particularly new ones? Mm -hmm. Great, great questions. I struggle with those every day. But let me <laughs> give you a little bit about the, the each one. So the why was when COVID started, and I think we might have made this decision even without COVID, but COVID was the was the trigger for it. We found out we didn't need the office anymore. We had an office, we could go there, but we got so used to working at home that we said, and and she and I are both very comfortable working at home. So that probably was part of it. I had worked at home for 10 years already. And she worked at home a lot as well. She went in the office more than I did. 
so once we did that, we we had this slogan. I don't use it anymore, but it used to be work from anywhere to anywhere. And COVID really made that possible in many, many ways. And so our consultants never came to the office. They didn't have a reason to, mm-hmm. right? They would come there to maybe work with some other folks if they wanted to, but they didn't need to. And then we'd have company events where they would come. And that was about it. So we realized that let's just go virtual and be okay with that. So we did. And we did it about, I think it was six months into COVID, September of 2020 would have been, I think that's the right timing. We did it and we haven't looked back. So that's the why. And then what do we do to kind of keep people engaged has we've really evolved on that and we're continuing to evolve. So we had no in-person meetings for about two years, none. And every meeting we did was virtual. Some people would get together, and but in terms of company meetings, we had no in-person meetings for you know literally two years. We realized, okay, we got to go back to meeting. And so I had two meetings this year with with a larger group, and we had a few meetings in person in 2022 as well. But that does, that's not nearly enough. So what we said is, what more can we do? So here's some things we've done. I'll just kind of give them to you in a list. But one we started was, I'll call it affinity group meetings. So if you're an accountant, let's let you meet with other accountants and you folks can talk about what you see in the clients, what your struggles are, what you need. And usually somebody from leadership, Kathy or me, or somebody else, but usually one of us will try to join those meetings. We got to be careful. We don't want to be there. So we quell the conversation, right? We want it to be peer to peer. And if we're there, it's like it changes the dynamic. So um, we might join part of the time and then leave and let them talk the rest of the time. So we've really encouraged that. And that's virtual. And then we've started doing once a month now, we have an in-person come to the office if you want. So we rent a space. It's the same space every month. And it's usually the same day that I do the company update meeting. I'll talk about that in just a second. So we're trying to create more opportunities for people to come together physically if they want, but we don't want to somehow say, well, we only like people that can show up physically because we have employees all over the country now, right? They're not all in the Bay Area because that was the other thing we spread out from a workforce perspective as well. And then I think the other key is lots and lots and lots of communication. That's critical because without that, then doesn't work. So I, once a month, every month, I have not missed one in over four years. I talk about what happened this month. I'll give them a quick financial review, what we're seeing in the market, who we're hiring, what's happening, how we're doing financially. And it's typically 30, 45 minute meeting. And it's one way every single month. And I use the same slides every month. I get sick of it sometimes, but again, it's the same slides. So they know where we are if I change the slides every month, it's like, well, wait, what did he say last month? What's he, what happened, right? Why isn't he showing us that information anymore? So that's another key piece. And then whenever something happens, like when we were acquired by ZRG, we spent probably over a hundred hours preparing on how to communicate, maybe more than that, probably several hundred hours if I count everybody that worked on it. And then we spent several hundred hours communicating with folks. And that was really, really important to us. And, you know, a a very interesting thing happened. It really surprised me. We do an annual survey of the employees that goes into this Best Workplace Award. 
we won it again the ninth year in a row this year, which we were really proud of. But you know the interesting thing? Our scores went way up in 23. And the only, the main reason I think that happened was in 22, they didn't know we were going to be acquired when we did the survey. We knew, but they didn't know, right? And because we hadn't signed the deal, we couldn't announce it until it was done. But in 23, they'd all been living with it for six, well, nine months by the time we did the survey, maybe 10. I think the reason the scores went up is we communicated so well. I honestly think so. And the other thing is when we first communicated, everybody's like, yeah, we've heard this before. You say nothing's going to happen. You say we're no one's going to lose their job. We've heard all that before. We don't believe you. But they said it. So I'm like, okay, great. Thank you for telling me what you think. Oh, by the way, hold me accountable for what I just told you. They don't say that anymore, right? It's been a year now and more than a year, 18 months. They get it. We did, we did what we said it actually increased the trust and usually acquisitions decrease the trust. And so I honestly think that's what happened. And I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud that because I have no influence over this survey. I don't pick the questions. I don't do anything. I don't touch it. It's strictly run by a third party. And I thank the employees several times over because thanks for this input. Thanks for reinforcing that we're doing the right thing. And of course, even with my team was really funny. He's like, Dave, you always have to find something to make better. Yes, I do. And so we had all this survey. Everything was better. But I still had an action plan how we're going to keep improving on what we're doing, right? Because that's key to me is we're never good enough. We can always get better. And I think that that's why we do a lot of what we do is how do we get better? How do we take where we are? One more step, one more step, one more step. And if we bring the whole organization with us, we just get that much more powerful over time is how I look at it. Well, I think that's one. Well, I don't know if that answered your question. That's a little bit of a ramble on that one, but. No, it did. It did. Well, and it... One last piece is yeah. the new employees. We do spend a fair amount of time orienting them to who we are. We've actually put together trainings. Like if you're a new consultant, here's like a day's training. We want you to take on who we are, how we work, how we want to engage with you. And then for senior hires, I'll typically ask for a 30-day check-in with each one to see how their experience has been in that first 30 days. I don't do it with every employee, but um, the senior ones, I'll check in with them and say, what's better than you thought it would be and what's worse than you thought it would be? And that I, that informs me about you know what's going on in the business in a, in a nice way. And it probably points out the areas where improvements can be made and the you know areas where we should we should be patting ourselves on the back. We're doing a really good job here. So mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. that. Those are good questions to ask. You referred to it a few minutes ago, but it 18 months ago, ZRG, Global Talent Advisory Firm, acquired Rose Ryan. Yes. So can you talk about, I mean, you talked a little bit about how it's impacted the firm. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you foresee in the near future. And since we are MOVE, after all, how it has impacted women in leadership at your firm. One of the reasons we agreed to be acquired by ZRG was we believed we'd have a good cultural fit with them, that we could continue running the firm the way we run it. And the CEO, Larry Hartman, said to us at the time, my motto is do no harm. Okay, we like that. Because we had some other firms we talked to and they are like, yeah, we want you, but we're going to integrate you the first day and your teams will be moved into different parts of our organization. 
no thanks, we're not interested in that because this team is powerful as a team. If you break it apart, the power will be diminished um, you know, quite a bit. So that was a big part of our reason um, to be acquired by them. And they have honored that. They have respected that. And so we hire who we need to hire. We manage our clients the way we need to manage our clients. You know, they're a search firm, so their business is quite different than ours. And yet it's complementary because we're finding people that solve an immediate problem. They're finding people that solve a longer term problem, typically. And so there's sometimes we bring in a person to serve in the role while they run the search. That's one model that that works. We do a lot more than that, but that's one of the interesting intersections that we've had there. So one of the big questions everybody has is, well, when you integrate with them, which we will um, sometime in the next 18 months, what's in it for me, right? It, it's my favorite, one of my favorite M&A acronyms, which is with them, what's in it for me, right? And so you got to be able to tell them what's in it for me. So what's in it for them is ZRG is a much bigger company than Rose Ryan, and they touch many more clients than we do. So what's in it for you is a bigger organization you can grow into. And so we're identifying for those 20 folks that aren't consultants, we're working to make sure they have a good landing spot within ZRG when the time comes. Then for our consultants, there's find more work that makes them happy right? Keep them busy. So so that opportunity should be there as well. Again, it remains to be seen. We're not there yet, but I'm confident that this do no harm philosophy will continue in the long term. And I think, again, they've demonstrated it in the first 18 months. They have not interfered in any business decision we have made. And that's unusual. We brought every employee with us. We did not leave a single employee behind, if you will. And those employees are still with us today. And we've added more since. I think it's been good. We realized our aspirations. We're halfway through kind of this three-year period of, you know, you can run your own for three years. And then after that, then we'll see. But for the first three years, you're on your own and we'll do no harm. And they, they've really honored and respected that. As we are kind of closing here a little bit, what advice do you have for other firms that are looking to expand their talent pipeline? That's a huge issue in the profession right now. It is. yeah, And also attract and retain more women. So I think it's not that complicated for me. And maybe I'm just overly simplistic on some of these things. It goes back to where we started, Bonnie, on respect. And I I believe that it's very important. And I I mentor a lot of folks and I tell them when they're interviewing, that's the best you're going to get treated by a company because they want you then. Once you get there, it may not be quite the same, but if they don't even treat you well in the interview process, that's a big red flag to me. It doesn't mean you don't take the job. It's just have your eyes open because if that's how they treat you going in, it may not be better once you get in there. It may not. You know, Sometimes you just had a bad interview experience and it works out okay. But I think my advice to firms is kind of simple. One is cast a very wide net for talent and don't think it has to come from the traditional sources. You know, one of the best financial analysts I ever hired, and he went on, he became an author. He did all kinds of interesting stuff after I hired him. His major was religious studies. Now you wouldn't normally hire a guy to be a financial analyst, but he could think that way, right? 
And think about it, religious studies is about the differences in religions, planning and analysis. It's kind of looking at things and figuring out the relationships and how it all works together. So I'm more interested in how they think, what, back to my DNA experience thing, what experiences they have had. And then I, I look for a couple of things that maybe people don't always look for. One is curiosity. If they're not curious, I don't want to hire them. And one of the ways I test that is at the end of every interview, oh, what can I answer for you? The ones that have no questions for me, that's a huge red flag. How could you not have any questions at the end of an interview? So how thoughtful are they in those questions? How curious are they? What are they thinking about? That's very interesting to me. And then how to kind of right along with that is the how they learn, right? So tell me a mistake you've made and what you learned from it. You know, and I hate to give me your strengths and weaknesses. To me, those questions are almost useless because nobody ever wants to tell you what their weaknesses are. But if you say, tell me a mistake you made and what you learned from it, that's a little bit different, right? So I think we need to interview in a way that taps into the person as opposed to the resume, if you follow me. And I, I think a lot of times, and I've learned this the hard way over a long time, you know, historically what I do is, oh, I just want to find out, tell me about this job, tell me about that job. You may not really learn who they are as a person. So I think asking these more experiential questions, one is it can take the biases out of your thinking because you're not, experience is experience. It doesn't matter, male, female, you know, any other thing, it doesn't matter. So if you're getting at that level, then I think you're having a different conversation with them. And the other thing it does is they, well, this is a little different. These folks are a little different. So part of it is people have choices. So what are you going to do to make them want to choose you, right? And then how you retain folks is real simple. Treat them with respect help them grow and help them reach their, their goals, right? It's not that complicated. And I can tell you what the goals of all 20 of those people are. I know what they want. And so that's important to me. So I'll go try to find the experiences to help each one do something to achieve that along the way. I can't do it for everyone every day, but I know in the back of my head, like I had an experience come up this morning. I want to give someone it's helping me with some litigation. And, you know, we don't we don't sue people very often, but, you know, we have to go sue someone. So let's get somebody to help me with that. They'll learn something about it. Again, maybe I'm not answering your question perfectly, but look for not just what's on the resume. That's really what I'm trying to say. Get behind that, because fundamentally, if somebody has the skills, great. But just having the skills to me is not enough. How are they going to join your organization, thrive in your organization? and then help you make a more valuable organization in whatever way that's measured over time. Maybe the last piece to this is what's their mindset? Are they coming from a mindset of scarcity or a mindset of thriving? And I find people that come from a mindset of scarcity are like this. They want to hold it in because they don't want to let go because if they do, they lose something. As opposed to somebody that comes in with a thriving mindset, there's plenty to go around. I can share, I can be open. I, and that's kind of what Rose Ryan has, a thriving mindset. And scarcity is people that hoard information, hoard responsibilities, act in a silo, don't like to share. And so that's not a great mindset. 
I think. So people that come in with a thriving or a, a mindset of plenty, they're going to have a whole different approach to solving problems, right? And yeah. so again, it's hard to interview for that, but you can get a flavor by the way you ask the questions, I think. So that'd be kind of my last element of what what I look for. Well, I have to agree on that. I think that just, I love that you use the word curiosity because that's always kind of a hot word for me. Yeah, skills are important, but a lot of times skills can be taught. You know, you want to walk in the door if you're an accountant to have some idea of what a profit loss statement is. Yeah, but sure. What a debit credit is and so on, right. A lot of that stuff can be taught where a passion and excitement, a curiosity, that kind of stuff is more innate. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that's a really smart approach to finding people because not everybody's going to be the right fit for your firm. And, no, and that's, that's okay. okay. That's They're probably bad. a great fit somewhere else. That's right. So that's yeah, I think that's, I, I like that approach a lot. Yeah, and I think I just I had a great conversation with a with a potential client last week. He said he wants to make sure the consultant adds energy to his company. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really interesting perspective. I'd never had a client say that to me before versus subtracts energy from his company. A very interesting perspective. And I talked to him before he interviewed the consultants. I said, well, you know, go ahead and explore that. I agree. I think that's a great criteria to think about. Maybe that's a good kind of overall Thing we're looking at here is energy addition, energy subtraction. Which one are you? Very interesting kind of simplification of what I'm trying to talk about. Yeah. And we've all been around those people that uh, subtract energy and it's not a, anything I want to experience long-term. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick before we finish, I just want to go over a couple of fun questions with you that I like mm -hmm. to end podcasts with. When you were five years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> Probably at that age, I want it's funny because you got to go back to when I was five years old, which was, um, you know, very different environment than we have today. Mm -hmm. Probably at that time, I wanted to be a deep sea diver because I used to play in the backyard all the time. I'd get Clorox bottles that look like air tanks, put a hose on it, make it look like a hose and pretend that I used to do that a lot as a kid. I did get certified as a scuba diver uh, much later in my life, but at that time, and there was a show then with Lloyd Bridges, you know, the father of all the Bridges brothers called Sea Hunt. And he was a he was a diver in that show. I used to watch that. And that was like my most favorite thing at that time. So anyway, that's that's probably the best I can come to remembering what I would have wanted to be at that I time. I think that's pretty fun. And that's the first time we've gotten that answer. So I like <laughs> And if you were given the chance to travel anywhere, budget's not an issue, time off is not an issue, none of that, where would you go and why? Well, I tell you, and this one is maybe an interesting one to, to think about, but, and I've been a lot of places, so, you know, that rules, I could say go back to somewhere I've been, that's an interesting way to do it, but somewhere I haven't been that I always wanted to go was the base camp of Mount Everest. For one thing, the beauty of those mountains must just be unbelievable. The second thing for me is the people that climb it. And this isn't so true now. This was maybe 20 years ago where now it's all organized and you pay and you go. But in those days, you had to like figure it out yourself and find the money and find the team, you know, a little different flavor. So maybe it would have been back in that era and just be there for a few weeks. And I figured I'd cook, I'd clean, I'd do something to be of service to the climbers that were there. To me, that's 
just such a unique place on the planet where such unique things happen. That's that's why. Again, at this point, maybe I wouldn't do that. I'm getting older and such, but that'd probably be the place. Well, I was going to ask, no desire to climb it? Once upon a time, maybe 30 years ago, I thought about it, but no, I don't, no aspirations for that at all. But being there and just seeing it would be just fascinating to me. Yeah. That might be what I do. One of my dearest friends in the world wants to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. She turns 50 uh, next year and wants to do that. She lived in Tanzania in the Peace Corps for a while. And Mm -hmm. I have a knee that would not allow me to do that climb, but maybe I can just go and support them as they're leaving and throw them a big party when they get back. back. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that have climbed Kilimanjaro because you can walk it. You don't have to climb it. Right. Everest, you have to climb, you know, it's technical to get to the top there, but it's a beautiful mountain. I've never been there, but I've seen a lot of pictures from the bottom and the top. And yeah. uh, it's a pretty cool place. So. Well, and it's an opportunity to go to Africa, which I've always wanted to do mm-hmm. too. Yeah, so. it's one, okay. one, be... There's only two continents I haven't been on, Africa and Antarctica. That's the two. Ah, so. yes. The A continents or two of the A's anyway. I may reach out to her about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds so like fun. So finally, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? This is maybe an odd one for you, but the ability to really hear what people are saying and what's behind it. I, I don't do that great a job at that uh, in my mind. So just the ability, it's almost to, to get to a Zen-like place where you can just sit and quiet your mind enough to be able to listen to what someone has to say. That would be an amazing superpower because I think it would, I just think it would make me a better person as, as I look at it. Mm-hmm. That's actually not as far off as you would think. We had a couple recently that said they either wanted to have more empathy or wanted to have an empathy one so they could give others more empathy. Yeah, that's and I think a little different a whole lot of that is what listening. I'm saying, but yeah, same my same concept. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Well, Dave, I have loved this conversation and learned so much from you and, you know, may wind up going to Africa next year because of you. So (laughs) I really appreciate the time that you've spent and your willingness to share kind of the secret sauce that makes Rose Ryan what it is and look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you so much. I would welcome that, Bonnie. You can tell I have just a little bit of passion on these subjects. And it's I always like the opportunity to talk about it. And again, thank you for the opportunity to to share my thoughts today. I hope it finds some of your listeners, our listeners, find value from it. So thanks again for the chance to join you today. Thank you for listening to Move Like This, brought to you by the Accounting Move Project and sponsored by Moss Adams and SACPRO. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website at accountingmoveproject.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues too. I'm your host, Bonnie Buell-Resick, and until next time, keep moving forward.